Welcome to the Legacy Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at LegacyFamily.info. Amen. We're excited you're here today. If you want sermon notes, wave at me. I have ushers that will pass them out to you. On this side, we have some. You know, did you read, watch the video right there? The last phrase is, children is our legacy. And we've got kids turn here this week, and I want to talk about, I'm trying to focus on children, but the Lord just kind of expanded this thing a little bit. And so uh, it's going to be kind of odd starting off, uh, but I want to show you where we are as a country. I'm not going to talk about politics. I'm going to talk about Christianity. And, but you're going to see some parallels in the Bible about what's going on in America. Now, what's going on in America is not going on in Russia. It's not going on in China. They don't have what we have. We are blessed. But we're going to find out with all this blessing comes responsibility. And, and I'm going to go back and we got, if you'll look at your notes, we're going to talk about some priorities today. But I'm going to start off and we're going to uh, talk a little bit about and, and look at some scriptures uh, that you need to get some understanding on. There's a direct attack on the family unit today. Fathers and mothers and children. Uh, Satan wants your children and he wants to destroy them. In John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief and Satan is the thief and he comes to kill, steal and destroy. And he is coming to kill you and your, your wife. If he can't kill you physically, he wants to kill your marriage. He wants to kill your children. He wants to destroy them, stop them, and keep them from serving God. Amen? You know, you can be a Christian and not live in victory. We have an enemy that tries, he's trying to trip, trip us up, hold us back in every area of life, keep you frustrated, keep you in failure. But let's, let's look at what the Word of God has to say. We're going to I'm not going to read there. I'm going to go ahead and tell you the story real quick. In Genesis 19, Abraham was living out on, 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 by himself. He had it so big that him and his nephew Lot had to separate. Lot went into the city of Sodom. He went into the plain. He had so many animals and stuff and, and so blessed, so rich, but he moved into the city, just kept getting closer and closer and moved into the city. And the city was evil. And we're not going to talk about the evils of the city, but I am going to talk about the root cause of the evil. And let's talk about what's going on in America and the root cause, just real quick. This is, you know, this is the, the prelude, okay? We're going to watch the, the, before we get into the movie. But this is what's going on in America. It was so bad that two angels went down to get Lot out of the city, and the, the men, young, old, rich, poor, they wanted those angels. And they didn't want to eat supper with them. They wanted them. Lot said, take my daughters. I got two virgins. They didn't want them. We want the men, and we're going to do you the same way. Who do you think you are? And the angels had to blind them. That's all fruit of what's going on at the root and how they got there. And we're going to look in Ezekiel right quick. And Ezekiel talks about, in Ezekiel 16, 48, we'll start reading. And it talks about Sodom and what, how they got to where they're at and, and, and what happened. So, so, so let's look. And it says, um, as I live, says the Lord, neither your, system, your sister Sodom nor her daughters have done as you or your daughters have done. And verse 49 says, look, this was their iniquity. This was their sin. This is how it started. Are you with me? Say yes, pastor. Say something. Your sister Sodom, uh, 
All right, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor. Let me back up. I lost my spot here. Your sister, the daughter, had pride. Everybody say pride. pride. You see pride? The fullness of food. Plenty. Now, I know what we do is we start, I'm going to just break it down. We start judging ourselves. Well, I don't have as much as Clayton and them. Man, I, I just don't, I, I'm depressed. I mean, they, they, all I get to go out and eat is the McDonald's. I mean, they get to go, they get to go to Wendy's. Okay, plenty of food means you don't have to cook. You got everything, and let's just keep going. Fullness of food, abundance of idleness. We are abundant in idleness. Remember, this is not a scripture, but remember what Grandma used to say, an idle mind's a devil's workshop. That is so true. And because we, you know, you look and in, in go, go to Africa, they're working to get something to eat. They're so thankful when it rains because they know the crops are going to produce. We so th- you know what? We get mad because Walmart's closing at 10 now and we can't go buy canned goods. We don't, we don't work for our food. We work, but we, we work eight hours a day. They're trying to cut that back. You don't want to be in ministry because you don't do it 24 hours. Oh, y'all, what do y'all do up there? Just sit around and yeah, have fun. Come on. And so, so look at the idle time we have. It's more important to, to football. Football don't bring you peace. Jesus and God's the only thing. The Father's the only thing that, that satisfies. But look how what we chase in America. Movies, TV, I can go down the list. And it's idleness that, that we feed ourselves. So because we're so idle, we feed ourselves the wrong thing. We're not believing God for anything. We're not praying over crops. We're praying that Walmart doesn't close. And we get frustrated because I don't have a 56-inch TV. Ashley got a 56-inch. I ain't fair. I had a kid in my youth group, and he stole. And I said, dude, I sat him down. I said, man, I don't want to kick you out of the youth group. Why are you stealing? He goes, because I deserve it. I said, deserve what? What do you mean you deserve it? Well, everybody else has got it, so I'm just going to take theirs. I don't have. Man, our mindset gets is twisted. And we're, we're so much about fullness and having this and having that. And it leads to destruction. We have to guard our hearts. So abundant of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor or the needy. Selfishness. Get all you can, can all you can get, and put it all in the backyard. We don't share. We don't do anything. It's all about me, myself, and I. That's the American way? Mm -mm. It's not the biblical way. The biblical way is to be a giver, is to be a doer, is to be a helper. And and so selfishness has to go. And, And in verse 50, it says, and they were haughty. Come on. Haughty means they had disdain for God. Man, I watched riots last year, and a guy held up a sign and said, if Jesus does come back, we're going to crucify him again. That's haughty. That's pride. That's disdain. That's no respect for God or the things of God. But I hate to tell him America got here because of the respect for God. Our laws are built biblically. Man, the Ten Commandments are so true. You don't want to live in chaos. You have to have laws to keep yourself. Or I'd kill all of y'all. 
Because I know sometimes you might want to kill me, but I need to get you first. That's how, that's how stupid it gets. If we don't have laws, if we don't, if we do, if thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. Well, Jesus fulfilled the law. Yeah, he filled the law so I can get forgiveness when I do break the law. But you still should not kill. You still should not steal. You're still supposed to love. You're still supposed to be kind. Be ye kind to one another. It's not in the 10, but it's still important. Love is love. God said love. God is love. So we have to learn to love. You know, I, I follow Rick Renner. He's a Bible scholar, and he said that what turned Rome, they were burning Christians, feeding them the lions and everything. The black plague came, and everybody, they would find their wife was sick, they'd leave her. Their kids were sick, they'd leave them. They were leaving town in droves. The Christians stayed, and they took care of the sick people. Some of the Christians even died. They gave up their lives to save these people. That's called love. And the people that got well said, we, got, we can't turn on these Christians. They're the only ones that stayed and helped us. That's how you break somebody's heart to, to, to receive Jesus as you love them. And you go over above and beyond. Uh, Jesus said if they ask for your coat, you know, it's a different uh, scripture for a thing. But you got to be a giver and a doer and be open. Well, look at all these things. Uh, listen, the more freedom, time, time, freedom. We think about our freedoms on attack. No, let's talk about just our time. The more freedom or time you have, the more power you have, money, and I don't care if you're the poorest person in this room, you're still 30 times more rich than most people in the world. 30 times. The more time and money you have, the more discipline you need. There's nothing new under the sun. It's a whole lot easier to get it. You can get it on the internet. You can buy it. I mean, kids nowadays, can they, they may be telling you to buy something at McDonald's, but they can, buy, they can go out and buy anything, drug on the street. Idleness will, have, will, will take you to buy a beer. The more money you have, you buy a six-pack or a case. Just, just see what I'm saying? If you've got time and money, man, we live in America. We, we go to the extreme. If, if, if I had a beer in my hand and I'm standing at the red light at 4th Street down there and I'm sipping on a beer at the stop sign and people pass by, that's Pastor Brett. He's getting drunk. <laughs> I don't drink. I drink as much as I want to. I don't drink at all. But if you see me with a beer in my hand, we don't think he's drinking a beer. He's getting drunk because most people take it to the extreme. Very few people just social drink. They're looking to get a buzz out of it. Let me tell you, God is our buzz. God is our peace. God is our joy. God is our strength. So that's priority number one. Let's look at it. Priority number one is God. We have to maintain that God is first, that God is first in everything. God is first. The key to abundant life and keeping is keeping God in his place. You know, you can love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your entire mind. And that's the scripture we're about to read. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. 36. A man who loved God came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Your heart is not this. That's your spirit. Your soulical man is your mind. Don't answer, but say two plus two is in your mind. That's your solical man. 
Okay, your spirit man's born again. You got to renew this thing. This thing can keep going back to where you was hurt and all your history and all your past and all your troubles. You got to control this thing. This is what the Bible teaches. And so we have to make God a priority even when our thoughts. Lord, I'm coming back to you. Lord, mm, you know, we get, everybody gets frustrated, but nope, Lord, I'm casting this over on you. I'm coming back to you. So with all your soul, with all your mind, the, and this is the first and greatest commandment. Greatest commandment. And the second one is, is important as well, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Some of y'all haven't loved yourself, so why you can't love your neighbor. On these two commandments, hang the curtains. The curtains hang the law and the prophets. These two commandments cover everything. If you love your neighbor, I'm not going to steal his wife. I'm not going to take his food. I'm not going to rob him. I'm not going to commit murder. If I love him, I may not like him, but I have to love him. Don't look at me like that. I tell my wife, she tells me sometimes, I love you, but I don't like you right now. Okay. I'm being real. I'll get more real here in a minute. Not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but God has to be number one. He's number one. That's where our peace is at. That's where our strength's at. That's where our joy is at. God's number one. Now, our priority two, because I'm going to get to the kids where I really want to focus, but priority two is your spouse. You and your spouse. Well, I don't have a spouse. Then priority two is you. This sermon's still for you. You. Say me. Everybody say me. Don't be squeezing your spouse and elbowing it. You better listen to this. Because <laughs> this is for you. Well, I'm not married. Well, maybe you will be one day. Maybe you never get married. That's okay, too. You're still a priority. It's God, then you. Well, I don't want to be. No, if you get filled up, you're going to overflow and you're going to pour out on everybody else. Hey, hey. And so, so let's look. Let's look at the priority, you and your spouse. And so we're going to look at the example that Jesus gave us in Ephesians 5.22 about marriage in the church. And oh, yeah, I'm going to read it. So y'all better get ready. They're putting it up there. Wives, submit to your own husbands. We stop right there and come in men and say, amen. But I'm going to get the men in just a minute, ladies. The men, he, the one that screamed back there, he, he knows it's coming. So, Wives, submit to your husbands. For the husband is the head of the wife. Is also uh, Christ is uh, head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Christ is the head of the church. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So, so wives are supposed to follow the husband's lead. Yeah. Oh, no, no, don't shake your head. Yes, they are. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, wait a minute. Men, are you leading? They can't follow you if you're not leading. I told you I was going to get them. But if he's leading, you better follow him. It's team. It's not 50-50. It's 100 and 100. And so, so let's look at men. Let's look at, this is the man, women, if you're looking for a man, here we go. Husbands, love your wives. Love them. Go fix me that woman. That ain't loving them. You can hire somebody to do that. That's wrong. Look, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. 
Have you given up golf for your wife lately? Have you given up football for your wife lately? Have you given up hunting for your wife lately? Have you got up and cooked for your wife lately? Have you done the dishes for your wife lately? When you start doing for your wife, she's going to fall. Oh, yeah, look at this man. That's my husband right there. I can follow him anywhere. But all you're doing is I worked hard today, and she didn't. I don't know. I'm sorry, men, but y'all got to tighten up. Men have, have, have missed it. And they want to talk about women submitting, but they're not leading. They're not loving. And leading means you're going to give up everything for your family. Will your family survive if your wife quits working? And I'm not against women working. My wife taught school for 25 years. Not that. It's not that. It's that we have to lead men, that we have to be the spiritual head. We have to take the lead so the women can follow. But that doesn't mean that because the women's following you, if you read in Proverbs about a virtuous woman, the man sitting in the gate of the city being a judge, the wife's running the household. All the servants that are working for her, she's buying and selling land. She can do anything. You know, if you follow the leadership gurus, and they'll tell you women can be president. Don't, I'm not cutting with you. If you come here long enough, you know that I, I believe in women in leadership. But the, the thing in the house, if men want women to submit, then they've got to lead. And still, you're giving them authority to run the house, to do whatever. So, so, so that he might, listen to verse 26, that he might sanctify her, separate her. Men, this is your responsibility. And, and ladies too. And cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. Woman, you are blessed. You are highly favored. You are the righteousness of God. You are holy. You are upright. Have you told your wife that lately? Didn't even know that, did you? Women, quit you sorry. My husband's just a sorry dog. He just laid around and have that. That's not, that's not washing him with the water of the word. My wife's the laziest thing. That's not washing her with the water of the word. That's griping and complaining. We're not called to gripe and complain. When's the last time you told your spouse, I'm thankful for you? When's the last time you told God, I'm thankful for you? Huh? I know, I'm sorry. This, this is a little heavy this morning, but this is what we have got to change. Notice it's God. Then it's you and your spouse, you together. And so let me just finish reading these. And that he might present her to himself a glorious church. And this is Jesus talking too, not having spot or wrinkle or anything, but that he should be, uh, she should be holy and without blemish. Guess what? I am the bride of Christ. And I know I'm a man, but we as the body are the bride of Christ. We're his body. And Jesus is talking about the, the reference of husbands and wives and, and the church in him. And, and as a church, as a, as a man, I have to be submitted to God. When I don't submit to God, I have utter failure. Well, you're a pastor. That don't mean squat. I have to submit to God. I'm just like everybody else. I don't have an inroad because I'm the pastor. People have thought that. That's baloney. I used to think that. But God is, is a God that wants to lead us and guide us, and Jesus wants to, be, uh, uh, to wash us in the water of the Word. That's what He does. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So we are members of the body, of his flesh, of his bones. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak it concerning Christ and the church. So I hope I hadn't beat you up too much. Because, uh, and your husband needs reminding and your wife needs reminding. Submit, woman. Not that kind of reminding. You need to remind her who she is in Christ Jesus. You need to declare, wash her in the water of the word. Wash him in the water of the word. And, you know, my wife reminds me, uh, you know what? Uh, would Jesus talk to me like that? I said, don't, pre don't preach to me, woman. We have to keep each other, you know. And, and so then I, I, I change. It's frustrating. We all get frustrated. It's, I'm being real. Don't you know Jesus got frustrated with the 12 disciples? He cried over Jerusalem because they wouldn't come to him. He has emotions, but they don't rule him. God has emotions. It's what said, be angry and sin not. Walk away. Be angry and sin not. Let's go to number three. Priority is children. Your children are a priority. Yeah, I don't know if it's in the notes, but children are important. They are your assignment, not your life. Let me say that again. They are your assignment, not your life. Oh, my children, I worship my children. My children are my everything. And your husband's standing there like, what? Huh? My children are my everything. No, 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 no. God, spouse, children. If you are not having a good relationship, your children will not have a good relationship. They'll have to fight harder to have that good relationship. I have to fight so hard to what I saw my parents do growing up, and I'm an old man now. My whiskers are gray. I'm going to have to shave them off. But, but my point is, I saw them, and I said, I'll never do that. And lo and behold, I do it because I saw it. I was imprinted. By what they did, and I act like that, and I change that. You know how many times I've repented to my children for not leading correctly, leading out of anger, leading out, of, and I sit down, sit down right here. I got to repent to you. I apologize to you. I was frustrated already, and then you set me off. But I was wrong. Come on, it goes a long way. goes a long way. You broke their spirit. You hurt their heart. You just healed them right then. Because you can break your child's spirit. You can hurt their heart. And so uh, we got a lot of scripture to read, but I want to show you the importance in Luke 18 and verse 15. Jesus is talking here. Jesus uh, and the people brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. He ain't got time for that. Get him out of here. They don't want time for these kids. We're the important ones. Do you know why every Sunday I said we're praying over our kids and remind you that are older or don't, that we have children and that they are our legacy and we need to pray over them. Yeah. Amen. We could just send them on up there and they're doing their own worship now, but we want to recognize our kids are important. My goodness. The Bible says a child can even lead you. And if you listen to them, man, they'll tell you, we were praying for a house and, and what our next house was going to be. And my daughter's about four years old, maybe five, four, four, probably four sitting in the back seat. We're going to get a blue house. Well, blue house, shut up. We're trying, we're having a conversation up here. You don't know, we got a blue house. 
I said, oh, Lord, help me. Forgive me. A blue house. It was a, had a siding on it, and it was painted blue. And I'm like, okay, forgive me, Lord. So we, we need to listen. And, and so, so Jesus called them and said, let the little children come unto me, and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you that whosoever does not, or whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will no means enter it. You know, kids just believe you, and they believe. You know where their doubt comes from? Us. Children want to believe. It's in us to want to believe God. It's in us to want to trust God. And we need to lead them correctly. Remember that there are assignments. They're our assignment to train them up, and that's what we'll read. Proverbs says in, in Proverbs 22, 6, to train up a child in the way that he should go. And he, when he is old, he will not depart from it. The verse before that, it really talks about what do they say? What they say, how important it is to teach them to say the right things. That's training. And just let that sit there just a minute. What? You know, you show them what to do. My, my, my son, uh, my kids, all my kids, I taught them to do everything. And then I thought, Lord, have mercy, I'm going to be in trouble. They, I taught them how to iron their clothes at six and seven. And they would go to school with burn marks on their arm. And I'm like, I'm going to jail. <laughs> but, but I taught them responsibility, how to load a dishwasher, how to hand wash dishes, how to clean up, how to pick up, how to mow. And my son is seven already. I mean, I'm, I'm pushing him, you know, let's do this, let's do that. And I, so we were all working, and I said, fill up those five-gallon buckets of water. And, and so, you know, how hard is it to fill up a five-gallon bucket? It's not hard at all. But some adult came up and said, let me have that water hose, boy. Let me show you how to do it. And he came over to me and said, am I that stupid that I don't know how to fill up a five-gallon bucket of water? It offended him. And so I said, well, go weed eat. Same parent. Let me show you how to do that. Took the weed eater from him and started weeding. And he's like, they don't believe in me. They don't believe in me. I saw dads who their yards had to be immaculate. And they wouldn't let their kids mow. Well, they may burn the edge. You got to train them. You got to teach them. You got to give responsibility out. Training, 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 responsibility. My kids would get so mad at me, I'd sit in a movie, and something would happen. I'd say, we don't do that, and I'd give them the scripture. Shut up, Dad. We're trying to watch the movie. I said, I don't care. We don't sleep around. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. <laughs> Listen, your children was, are going to be exposed, period. I thought about locking them in a closet. But I saw kids that were locked up and would not, they weren't allowed to get out. I had a girl in my youth group. She ran away at 16, and they haven't seen her since. Last heard's in Arizona because she was not allowed to do anything. And I said, well, that was a good idea, but nope. And then I thought, how do we do this? You tell them the things that they're going to be exposed to. Walking out the door, we've already had the conversation. They may be the seventh grade party. They may be slipping off and making out. That's not you. Don't be stupid. They may bring beer. Somebody may bring some beer. Y'all may get in the corner. Y'all may slip out in the backyard and drink. That's not you. Don't be stupid. 
And so all my friends, they knew we had the conversation walking out the door. Don't be stupid tonight. Now, when they were little, the, the S word was stupid, shut up, and the D word was dumb. Because I said, if you say stupid, you'll call me stupid. And then, oh, boy. And don't say shut up because you tell me and your mama shut up. Oh, boy. And then you don't say dumb because you'll call me dumb one day and then you'll be in trouble. So those are the words that we don't say. And then when I started using them in sermons, my kids come to me and say, you ain't supposed to say that. <laughs> so real quick, my son, listening to probably a grandpa, was having trouble getting his boots on. And he said, these dang boots. But he said the real word. And his grandma went, oh. What did you say? He goes, I didn't say that. I said, I didn't say dumb. I didn't say dumb. I said, D -d dang. <laughs> anyway, because he didn't know what that word meant. Uh, Isaiah 28, 9. Listen to this. And whom shall we teach knowledge? And whom shall we make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk, those drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, Line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Uh, a precept is a general rule to relegate behavior and thought. That's why I, when I was sitting in a movie and they're exposing my kids to something, on what we got, what, what are we doing in here? We're starting, we start talking about the rules and relegations. We don't doing that. That's not right. That would not please God. That would not please me. Those just wean. We, I'm trying to get this out. A lot of times we think kids are too little to understand. Do you know Moses was raised by his real mother till he was five or six years old? Do you know the things that she taught him stuck with him? And then when God spoke to him and when, God, and when he knew the calling on his life to lead, he chose to be an Israelite. He knew who he was. One, two, three, four, five, six. She raised him, taught him God's word. And when he's old, he shall not depart. Now, if you read this in, in, in Isaiah, I'm going to go ahead and add this. It says it again, but people were mocking. I'm talking the priest were mocking Isaiah. Precept upon precept, line upon line. <laughs> God was, he was coming after. Isaiah was going after the priest. Uh, but it is line upon line. How did you learn your multiplication tables? Two times two is four. Two times three is six. So you memorized them line upon line. Line upon line. Now, some of y'all wrote lines in church. I will not talk in class or in school. I will not talk in class. You wrote lines, but I'm talking about how you learn as you memorize. You have to hear something five times. You know, that's why I went to, to sermons that, that we do it. We're going to talk about the same subject for four, five times so we can get on some understanding. Oh, that was good, Pastor. But I can ask you next Sunday, what did I talk about last Sunday? Oh, no. But we're talking about training our kids. They need to memorize the Word. They need to have understanding of the Word. You need to pray that they have understanding. Ephesians, the third chapter. Ephesians 1 are prayers that Paul prayed over the church at Ephesus. You need to pray over your children that the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of their calling. Come on that it just clicks. The Word of God just comes alive. You know, you see people that have gifts that they can do math like just born with it. But you can pray over your children. 
And God will give them the gift to understand the Word of God. The Holy Spirit's their helper. So, so what, what else do we teach them? To love like God loves. I already said be kind. Work. Do you know God worked? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And he said, it's good. Then he said, let there be an atmosphere. And then he said, it's good. When your kid mows a yard, get out there and walk over and say, whoo, this is good. It's good. We're not working to get to heaven. If you're a believer, you're going to heaven. You work to, you work to eat. And that's the next scripture. You don't work, you don't eat. You need to be working. And you need to teach your children to work. Come on. So I was reading a story about Lot getting taken out of Sodom. They took him out of Sodom. And the angel said, we're taking you up in the mountains. We want you to be protected. We're getting out away from here. So Lot goes, wait a minute. I don't know. How. He goes, something evil happened. I don't know how to survive in the mountains. Uh, can we go to this little city over here? Are you ready? I, I, I'm just throwing this in here. You need to be training your children how to survive. That's why I'm saying about how my daughter goes to college, and lo and behold, all her roommates and her, they don't know how to load a dishwasher. So they don't know how to iron anything. They don't know how to turn the heat on. They don't know how to pay a bill. And I'm walking out the door, and the parents said, if y'all need anything, ask Brittany. I'm like, ask Brittany what? Are you kidding me? And uh, so she's coming in. They hadn't been trained to do nothing. Mama did everything for them. Their homework, too. Oh, yeah. One day she's coming in, carrying her book bag, and the girl boxes out the door. Brittany, Brittany, you don't know what I, guess what I did? And she's like, what? She goes, I loaded the dishwasher. Show me how to start it. <laughs> Come on, it's serious, though. We seriously have to train our children to live this life. How about being diligent with money? Not just to blow it and spend it. I mean, being a youth pastor for 20 years, I saw kids, they couldn't handle it. I, 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 I had a boy, we went to camp, he had $20. It was $2 a ride to go kart. He rode 20, he rode 10 times in the first 35 minutes. I said, What about your spending money? Well, I didn't think about that. But he was real young. Next time we went, I said, how much money you got? He goes, 30. I said, if you get back on this bus with $10, I'll give you 10 to go with it. <laughs> Teaching him how to control his flesh. But oh, no. He would sit by the ladies. And, well, why don't you get you some ice cream? Well, I, I got some money, but Pastor Brett said if I had 10 They're buying him ice cream. I said, that's not the lesson that we're trying to learn. <laughs> He was working those ladies like a, you know, beating them like a drum. My wife, one of them. Kids will work you. How many of you know parents that kids will work you? Well, my kids used to say, you know what, if you don't get it, my nana will get it for me. I said, well, nana can get it, but I am not buying that for you. Come on, it's, it's, you know, it's something that you want to teach. You want to have these conversations and be real. And some of you think, well, I don't have any kids. Well, they may be coming. Or God will put a, a child in your life to be responsible for, to pour into I had people in my life, I was 18 years old, and the man could have sold this property to anybody he wanted to, but he came up and he said, Brad, I'm selling you these two acres. And I'm like, what? He goes, I want to sell you these two acres. God, he, he was praying and God picked me. 
To sell, he said, I'm selling you that two acres. I want you to go to the bank. I want you to go through the process. Get a loan, and I'm selling you these two acres. And I'm like, what? I'd love to have these two acres, but I've never done that. I'm 18 years old. I had a job. I'm, I'm going to school. I'm doing all kinds of things. I bought that property. In two years, it doubled. He gave me money. He, I paid him for the property, but he was giving me money, and he knew it. It was worth more than that, but it also doubled. And he actually gave me thousands of dollars. Huh? That's called being generous. That's called, but he taught me. He taught me about finances. He taught me about being diligent. Come on, we got to teach our children. We got to teach people. And we need to help people. There are people in this town. And one of the biggest things is they don't know how to, how to handle money, how to start a business. They have a dream to start a business. Teach your children about money, about business, to show them about business. And you know what? You got to have money to make payroll. You got, it's bigger than just, oh, I got a dream. That's why most people, with, if they won the lottery, they'll be broke in three years because they don't know how to handle money. If you can't handle the little things, the Bible says, how can somebody give you big things to handle? If you can't handle $10, you're not going to handle $100, and you're not going to handle $1,000. If you can't handle a thousand, you're not going to handle hundred thousands. I know people that won settlements of three million, and they didn't know have a clue, and they were gone three million dollars in three years. How do you do that? Easy. I'm buying everybody a truck. That's how easy it is. I'm buying everybody a house. Diligence. You know what? We have money in our church, but we don't have money for that. You see. You got money, but you don't have money for that. I got all the money. I got money. I can buy as much beer as I want to, but I don't have money for that. It's called discipline. I don't have money for drugs. I don't have money for this. I don't have money. But when God tells me you got money to help them, then I got money to help them. I got money to bless them. I got money to be a giver when God tells me to give. Yeah, and I want to give. Matter of fact, you got to put a rain on me. And if I can't give you cash, I'm going to fix it for you. I'm going to go after it. I want to do something. And I have to be reined in. My wife helps me. But she's the biggest giver as I am too. But she protected me. So, you know, my wife was flying back and forth. She was in the airport. And these people were upset. And this lady was crying. She's like, and eating in a restaurant, like, what's going on? And said, that's a cook. She's got five kids. And they paid her 32 cents the last two weeks. 32 cents. They've messed her check up. She got her check out and wrote a check out and handed that woman money. And it's not that we was really wealthy when she did that. But she did. She gave because we did have to give and gave. So you've got to look, and you have to teach your kids to be givers. Hey, well, look at all these toys. What can we give away? Let's box them up and let's bless somebody. Come on. Let's bless you. You know, we could yard sell it and make a dollar, but come on, what's a dollar? Let's bless somebody. But let me say this about toys. I'm, I'm, I got to close this thing because it's International Day of Prayer, and we're gonna, we got some information for y'all. But, but hear me. I called my kids about three months ago, and they're all 30 or over, and I said, what's, the, what's your best memories when growing up? And I'm going to tell you, their grandma, when they say when Nana would get it for me, Nana would get it for them. They had an equal amount of presents, 30, 40 presents apiece. I'm like, this is, what is wrong with y'all? Her brother and this one, you know, and all these presents. They didn't mention any of those presents. 
They said, the best times we had was sitting at the dinner table and y'all asking us what was the best thing to happen today. What was the worst thing to happen today? We had conversation. We talked. We went on family trips. We spent time together. I would take them hunting. I would take them fishing. I'd go to a ball game. We'd all sit at a ball game and we'd laugh and cut up. But it was family time. That's the most important thing. It's not gifts. They come and go. That Nintendo is going to be broke next year. Nintendo Switch, whatever you want to call them. Come on, that's idleness. And they're feeding on idleness. Teach them some responsibility and then tell them how good it is. And I don't care if they missed egg, was crusted, still on the plate. Just when they go to bed, rewash it. Tell them you're doing a good job. You missed a spot or two, but boy, it's good. It looks good. Come on, we had a dishwasher growing up and it was me. And my brother was not a dishwasher because I had to do it again when he got through. I'm like, no, you rinse. You better rinse good. We're going at it. So Proverbs 3.1 says, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace will it add to you. This is why we teach our kids precept, line upon line, because length of days and long life. You know what else a long life? Honoring your father and mother. You have to teach them to honor your father and mother. You have to honor honors. Long life. Because if you don't teach them to stay out of the road, they're going to get run over. Duh. So you have to discipline. Listen, if you haven't heard, I don't love you anymore, as, as, as a parent, you're not doing it right. I wore it as a badge. It don't matter. I love you, and it's tough. I'm your daddy, and you know what? You can't do anything about it. You don't have to love me. You got to honor me, though. You got to do what I say. But we have to do these things. We have to let mercy and truth, uh, let not mercy and truth forsake you, but bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. That's our responsibility is to put it on our children's hearts. We have to train them up. And so let me say this too. You can't trust children or youth because they're in training. You have to follow up. Don't eat the chocolate. And then you need to go look. Who's been in the chocolate? You have to follow up. You have to train. It's training. And I know you're wore out, but listen to me. Don't, no, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. There was a mother that taught her boys and they were wallowing around on the couch. She's teaching them how to pray. And then she would pray. And we need to say our Father and we need to say in Jesus' name. And she's teaching them how to pray. And she's so frustrated after two years and they're wallowing around on the floor. Get up on the couch right now. She said, Johnny, you're praying. And he prayed the most eloquent prayer that anybody had ever heard. She never gave them the opportunity. She was teaching. But part of teaching and training is them doing and they became prayer warriors because mama spent the time. Come on. And so spend that time with your children. Have devotional with them. Pour into them. Show them when you make it. See there, I could have got mad. I show them when you miss it. I shouldn't have got mad. That car pulled out in front of me. I want to repent to everybody in the car. We have to. We have to. Will you bow your heads today? Lord, help us, stir us, show us our future. Show us our children. 
Show us our grandchildren. Show us how to be a light, Lord, in this dark world. How to make a difference. But Father, the first priority is not football, basketball, whether our kids make the dance line. But Lord God, that you're first. Teach them that you're the mender of the brokenhearted when they don't make the team or when they don't make the dance line. Lord, help us to teach them. But Father, first of all, let us put you first and be that example. Let us start with you. If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, come on, that's the beginning for us all. Will you just lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor Brad. I need Jesus. I need to accept him in my heart, in my spirit. I need Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you, you got saved a long time ago. You just haven't been living for the Lord. You know what? He's asking for you to come back today. If that's you, would you lift your hand and say, pray for me. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? You want to, you, you're stirred in your heart to live for God. Let's all just, let's just all recommit our lives to God right now and help these that have lifted their hands. Say, Father, I come to give you my life fresh and new. Renew me. Restore me. And Lord, anything that I have laid aside, show me that I might pick it up and run the race that you called me to run. Thank you, Father, for victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at LegacyFamily.info.